eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back in. It's a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Wrapping up the final week of January, the first month here in 2021. Just around the corner, just five days now from the signing day it used to be an extravaganza, not so much anymore. We have some, a few different nuggets to maybe share and pass along about Penn State as they approach the signing day. Of course, 15 guys coming on board in the signing period. But as is often the case on the show these days, the transfer portal dominates the conversation. And we start with quarterback Will Levis, who announced on Thursday his plans to enter the transfer portal. Pretty quickly after that, he did indeed enter the transfer portal Sean, we just talked about this before recording. I know Penn State fans are going to have some conflicted feelings about Will Levis, that he was never going to be the guy here, and some people saying, okay, find the next guy, find an upgrade. But really quickly, I have a feeling he's going to get a ton of Power 5 interest and and maybe surprise a lot of Penn State fans in the kind of traction that he'll gain as a transfer. Well, it's indicative of the, of the market that's out there. I mean, we've been watching it, you know, from a Penn State perspective of what's out there and what what you're able to bring in, and really not too much in the transfer portal so far. I mean, you look at Wisconsin backup Jack Cohn, and I know he started a handful of games or a bunch of games for Wisconsin. You know, Notre Dame jumped on him and, and brought him in, so that is pretty indicative of what you're seeing in the market. I think there's going to be um, a very big push for Will Levis. I mean, you you saw that video, I saw that video, and college coaches are going to look at that video and say, "Holy." crap, this kid can throw the heck out of the ball. What can we do with him? Because as we know, coaches, you know, college coaches are, you know, full of belief in themselves that they can do anything that they want to do with uh, with a lot of players. So I think it's, you know, I think he's probably going to have maybe even even bigger than the market that Tommy Stevens had a couple of years ago when he went out and and, and entered, uh, you know, his name and, and, and was out there as a transfer. So I think that, you know, there's going to be a demand. There's going to be a market. I, I would say he's striking while the iron's hot based off of the, the workout videos that have been out there. And uh, personally thought he was going to, you know, stick it out and see what he can do in the spring. But uh, with a degree waiting there um, at the end of the spring semester, it, the timing makes sense for him. I thought he did it in a very classy way, you know, thanking everybody on his way out the door. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll we'll never know what the, what could have come of that marriage with, with Mike Yersich. Will Levis is also the kind of kid that when college coaches speak with him, he's going to impress them as a person. Always been impressed by Will, the way he carried himself. In that 2018 recruiting class and, and then on the campus getting to know him and some of the more difficult conversations over the course of the 2020 year when 
you know, no one was playing really that well at the position, and there were a lot of question marks about who should be starting. I thought Will Levis did a nice job asserting confidence in his own right, but also, uh, you know, being careful not to throw Sean Clifford under the bus, not to throw Kirk Shiraka under the bus, and as you said, a classy exit for him. And, and what a great situation for Will Levis before we focus in on what this means for the Nittany Lions. I mean, because of the circumstances that the NCAA has presented for these athletes right now, He's walking away from Penn State with a degree in finance and three more years to play college football. I mean, that that's the timing is everything here. And that's something we talked about because we've been talking about Penn State adding two quarterbacks in the 2022 class. And we said, now they just want to go with one unless there's movement in the roster or in the quarterback room. And you look in that quarterback room, Will Levis was obviously the guy that, that, that you're talking about here because, you know, it just worked out so well for him. I mean, you know, if, if everything's even with, you know, everybody's years counted, you got two years left and it's kind of the uh, the situation that Tommy was in behind Trace. And I know that that's a very uh, <laughs> cut and dry comparison compared to what we're actually talking about here. Um, but, you know, you've got Clifford here who's got a couple of more years left and seemingly he's the guy. I know that that's very much up for debate in a lot of people's minds, including ours. Um, but still, it, it makes sense from a, from a standpoint that he could come or go somewhere, be a multi-year starter and and be the guy and really not upset the cart at his next stop all that much with, uh, with their quarterback. Now, you, you expect in a situation like this that he finds a program that, you know, he's comfortable with the coaches, probably going to be a new staff. I mean, let's be honest here that that, that would be, uh, you know, sort of influential in his decision if he were going somewhere that didn't have a staff in place that didn't have um you know i guess a hierarchy loyalty all that kind of stuff so i think he can find himself uh, a really good spot where he could settle in be the guy i don't know that he's completely ready to be a starting quarterback as he showed on the field this year but he's got a lot of the tools and like we said these coaches they think they can make it work will levis is 21 years old he will be 22 years old by the time the 2021 season kicks off and six foot three, 220 plus pounds, one of the stronger arms to come through Penn State in recent history. And uh, Sean, looking at kind of his journey at Penn State, he was you know kind of that emerging, one of the emerging quarterbacks in the Northeast region in the 2018 recruiting class, the spring of his junior year, all of a sudden there was a lot of momentum. It was kind of like the second wave of, of assessing that quarterback class after a lot of the top guys had already committed as juniors. And Will Levis was kind of front and center in that in this region came down to Penn State we were both at the camp where he was eventually offered from uh, throwing to a bunch of eventual Penn State teammates like Pat Fryermuth uh, I think Daniel George was there and, and some of these other guys and uh, you know you see Joe Moorhead extend the offer then he leaves Ricky Ronnie promoted he inherits uh, this class that has Will Levis two years later uh, Will Levis then meets Kirk Shiraka, and then one year later, uh, just a few weeks ago, he's told that Mike Yersich is the new offensive coordinator. So going into his fourth year at Penn State, uh, this was going to be the fourth offensive coordinator, coordinator that he was exposed to with Penn State, his third since getting to campus. Um, there's obviously a lot to dig into here and what James Franklin is going to need to accomplish uh, with an offensive coordinator, with the stability there, and with that, with, what's that going to mean for quarterback development. But ultimately, I'm not sure what we learned about Will Levis that that, you know, I think there's a lot of fans and based on the, some of the responses I saw on Thursday night who think they have this kid figured out. He's not a kid. He's gonna be 22, but they think they have this guy figured out as a college quarterback. He had 55 pass attempts in 2020 with an offensive coordinator who we didn't throw a football in front of in person until August. And this offense, let's face it, oftentimes, whoever was that quarterback looked messy. It looked messy. 60% completion, 
No interceptions along the way. 421 passing yards, one touchdown. And the bulk of his work was done as a runner, frustratingly so at times. I think he went 27 consecutive carries at one point in between passes in 2020. Finished with 260 rushing yards, three touchdowns on the ground. But with all that thrown your way... Again, I, I don't think we know what Will Levis can be. We know maybe, you know, there's there's pause to think that he can be a guy who's going to lift a Power 5 offense to the level where it's competing for a conference championship or college football playoff inclusion. But with the athleticism and also just with the issues that Penn State has had in equipping its quarterbacks with the situation where they're going to flourish, let's face it, in 2020 uh, augmented that with the whole situation that developed. I just don't think we know quite what Will Levis can do, and we'll see down the line. Maybe he ends up in the Big Ten, and maybe this is a guy Penn State has to face down the road. Wouldn't that be a storyline? But I think this is a guy that really bears some close monitoring as his college uh, career continues to develop. I'm willing to admit that I, I don't know what he is yet, and that's that's it's tough to say after three years. I mean, you, you would like to know where this guy stands after three years, but when he's got three years on the other side as well, I mean that's that says something uh, about uh, his development. I mean everybody thinks he's a you know a fullback carrying the ball, and you know physically he is. He's a he's an athletic guy that you know really runs hard, does all that kind of stuff. But you know I do think there's a there's an arm in there that you you cannot ignore, and that's the thing that he's going to have to shake when he's talking to college coaches, when he's talking to people that want to bring him into their program. Is he's got to shake this um, just a runner type thing and it, type of reputation, and that's it's going to be hard to do. I think uh, you know that video that he put out last week. A little bit by design, showing you what he can do. I mean, the strongest arm that I've seen, and you know that's uh, that that's saying something. You know, they've had some guys that you know not only don't always know where they're going or they're going with the ball, but they can throw the hell out of it. And Will Levis is certainly one of those guys. Um, but I think you know you get him into um, you know proper training and things like that, he can turn into a quarterback, and that's maybe not ideal for a guy that's a redshirt sophomore on the current roster at Penn State right now, but I think somebody can can turn him into that. And I'm I'm very intrigued by what he's going to what he's going to bring. And you and I were talking before the show that yeah, there's going to be an elevated market for him. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. I I don't know that we know that Will Levis is a bad quarterback. I know that we've what we've seen from him so far is you know, it leaves a little bit to be desired, but there's some bad quarterbacks out there as you're seeing from the uh, the rest of the portal. So I think he's going to be probably a top three option um, when he's out there and he's on the open market. And we're going to see what comes of that over the next couple of weeks. Completely agree with you. Go to 24-7 Sports, check out the entire list of transfer portal uh, quarterbacks right now. And I think you'll see Levis stands out from an athletic standpoint, from an arm standpoint. Um, and let's face it, it may not have always been pretty, but he has experience you know he he was the guy who played a whole second half of football on the road in Columbus at Ohio Stadium I mean those are the kind of experiences that a lot of the quarterbacks right now are lacking on the transfer portal and at least you know we've seen some live bullets in Big Ten action guy who's played in eight of the games this year started one against Iowa before they went back to Sean Clifford we're going to get to this Penn State quarterback room now, Sean, but I wanted to really quickly go through some of the recruiting results of the James Franklin era at quarterback to see kind of how we got to this point. Um, 2014, you bring in two quarterbacks, the Vanderbilt special, of course, with, with Trace McSorley being one of those former Commodore commits who followed Franklin to campus. And 40 college starts later, McSorley holds pretty much every notable record. Brought in Michael O'Connor with that class. He must have seen the writing on the wall. He was gone within a year, transferred, had a nice career up in Canadian college scene. But after that, you know, McSorley's, you know, for the next three years, he, he ends up being your starting quarterback. You win a Big Ten championship. But 
Tommy Stevens, no starts, ends up transferring before he, he works his way to a starting role. Injuries play a role there. Jake Zembeck, passed on the depth chart by a f- true freshman, Sean Clifford. He ends up retiring because of medical reasons, but the trajectory of his career didn't really tell you that Jake Zembeck was going to go seize the starting job. And he came, Sean in, Clifford, he came in with an injury as well. It's worth noting that Zembeck sure. was never, I mean, he never really got a shot. He, he came in with a shoulder injury and that was that was tough to deal with. But I, I, I do agree with you. I, I think it would have been passed anyway, um, but ju- just as the prospect that we scouted. Um, but still, yeah, I, I think that that, w- that needs to be said with, uh, with Zembeck. Complete, completely great fair. Great mustache. <laughs> great, great mustache and a guy that was that was certainly loved in that locker room but uh, that's the the quarterback investment you made in the 2016 class they did it early with Zembeck um, Clifford was the guy you bring in in 2017 starts off as the number three player because of Tommy Stevens issues works his way to the backup and ends up being the starter somewhat surprisingly in 2019 Will Levis is the guy in 2018 replaces a five-star Justin Fields who spent seven months committed I, I know people hate when I reference that but it's part of this story Levis ends up with two starts to his credit ends up overall being a two-year backup for you. Now he transfers. Maybe someone else benefits from that raw material that he brings to the field with three years left. 2019, two quarterbacks here. Taquan Roberson, Michael Johnson Jr. Johnson Jr., gone after a year on campus. He's now at Florida Atlantic. Taquan Roberson has one pass attempt through two years on campus. All of a sudden, he's thrust into this conversation as needing to be your primary backup quarterback. And then in 2020, you bring in Micah Bowens. Like Michael Johnson Jr., doesn't make it through a full year on campus. He hits the portal. Um, and that's where we are left now. Christian Veyu enters the situation. We, we have a lot to learn about him. He did not play a down of football in 2020 because COVID cancellations in the state of Maryland where he was at the Bullis School, of course, coming down from Ontario, Canada. But you have some concerns about him not playing a live football game since 2019. And you have you know even more deep concerns because... If he's not in the equation and ready to battle as the next man up, then Franklin said we need to learn about Taquan Roberson last week. And boy, does that statement kind of, you know, ramp that up now. Because if if Sean Clifford gets hurt or if Sean Clifford's performance is what we saw last year, you need a different answer. And unless they go transfer portal, Taquan Roberson's really the guy there. Uh, Three scholarship players, Sean, I just ran down the list. And uh, one reason or another, whether injuries are involved there or not, they have not recruited anybody that has kind of forced the hand uh, and, and, and elevating him beyond some other players. And, you know, keeping Zem back to the side because he did retire medically during his career. Five of eight quarterbacks have transferred during their careers at Penn State. And along the way, the Nittany Lions have not added a single transfer quarterback. And along the way, you've got two years of John Donovan. Two years of Joe Moorhead, two years of Ricky Ronnie, one year of Kirk Shiraka, and now on to Mike Yersich. So that's got to play into it as well. So uh, yeah, it's certainly not pretty when you read it read it through like that. I mean, the the flip side there, you get three years out of Trace. It's probably uh, looking like it's going to be three years out of Clifford. So you hitch your wagon to at the time a younger quarterback and that's going to you know that's going to have a trickle down effect you saw it with Tommy Stevens and Trace we referenced it with Levis and Clifford so that's going to you know take away some of that recruiting uh juice and all that kind of stuff and and then then of course you get the um you, you get what we're seeing now in terms of oh is is Franklin too loyal to Clifford and it's going to cost him Levis is it going to cost him well Michael Johnson Jr and M- Michael Bowens things like that and I I don't think that's the case in the terms of those latter two guys uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it leaves you in a dicey 
situation. And like we've said, I, I think they are looking at portal quarterbacks. I don't think they found what they wanted. And you got to find the right mix of uh, eligibility, talent. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes on there because I, I think the, the 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 general response is, well, you're afraid of blowing up a quarterback room. Well, look how bad the quarterbacks were last year. Well, I think there's a little bit the more that goes into it. I think Roberson's a good exp- a good a good guy uh, to look at, a good example to look at when you're talking about what that sort of brings into play here. I think I think Roberson can play. I'd like to see more of him, and I and I don't think it's a situation where you know getting him on the field for an extra series against Illinois really all matters all that much. Um, you know, of course, he spent some of this this year hurt, as James Franklin alluded to. Uh, I believe midseason he said that. So I mean, it's it, it's really uh, a situation where it's it, there's some unfortunate breaks, there's some missed talent evaluations and things like that, and and frankly, Penn State doesn't have the juice to to bring in a top guy. I mean, you saw you know what happened with K. Caleb Williams when they try to go after him and you you go to these quarterback rich programs what they can do now and what helps now and this I don't know that this helps the 2021 football team um, but Mike Yersich has a, a nice little reputation with quarterbacks you get a chance to to take a clean break from what you saw last year the the guy that's calling all the quarterback powers and and things like that is now gone in Kirk Shiraka you replace him with a guy that swings the ball around maybe that gives you a little bit more of appeal whether that comes through in the portal, whether that comes through in another 2022 guy, I don't know how that's going to play out, but they've got to restock and, and and move forward. And look, I mean, look across college football. You just said it. There's a reason why Will Levis is going to generate tremendous interest. There, There is not a lot of programs that are playing the quarterback position at an elite level, which is where James Franklin clearly wants to get. And you really need to get at this point if you want to have a shot. I mean, look at some of the teams that have gone to the college football playoff. Uh, and, and were very good teams overall, but didn't have that quarterback, they get throttled in the first round, and it's as if they ne- didn't belong in the conversation at all. Um, so not, not a lot of programs out there that are going to you know, go out and recruit over a Jalen Hurts and, and, and recruit over um, you know, a, a, a Joe Burrow over the course of, of things. You're, you end up with a lot more stories like Sean Clifford where you don't recruit over him and he's your guy for three years and you kind of got to live and die with, with, with how he develops or does not develop. And I think that's really the, the, the surprising thing here when you've got a new offensive coordinator and it's just hard for me to, to, to go all the way and say take one Roberson is, is right there now because I just don't know Sean, but the, the lack of a competition at QB one right now for me, you know, I had someone say, do you think Christian Bayou can push for QB two and be the backup? I'm, I mean, I'm more concerned that right now is is there no competition at QB1? You've got this offense coordinator. They're going to tell us there's a competition. They're going to tell their players there's a competition. But Trace McSorley has 20 career starts now. No Sean one – um, yeah. what did I say? Trace McSorley, yeah. He's got he's, – he's halfway to Trace McSorley who had 40 career starts. But Sean has 20 career starts, and no one else in that quarterback room has completed a college pass. That's a bit of a stark contrast there. Um, yeah, you're right, and 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 really, you're not going to have an option in uh, past or, or until you get past the spring now to bring in another guy to compete. And at this point, I mean, are you too far gone? That's the big question there. By the way, so tired of hearing about Joe Burrow for every portal quarterback. Just I cannot tell you how uh, just tired I am of hearing. You mean about- he was a unique, a unique example? 
I mean, he I mean, he wasn't like the 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 guy that you would go to and expect to win the Heisman two years later. No, I mean his first year at LSU. What was it? Sixteen touchdown throws his first year as a starter there. Yeah, but yeah. still, I mean, he's he he's uh, just so everybody everybody whether it's good or bad, everybody in the portal is compared to him, and it's just it's it's a little bit of over, overkill. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I'm concerned in terms of what we saw this year and and from Clifford if he can get over that hump and, and, you know, if, if he's capable of getting over that hump, I think it's a legitimate question and I, I don't know the answer and I don't think anybody's going to know the answer. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know when it's going to be late or too late to find out the answer. So, uh, plenty of questions there. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Take Roberson doesn't know what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to seeing him. And that's another thing is I, I think we can separate the, uh, the angst about take Roberson from, from the rest of this, because, you know, he missed all off season last year. It probably hurts his development. Like need spring a, practice, man. This from this, a floor to a ceiling. Need spring it, practice. It hurts the younger guy. I mean, we could probably do a show at some point on who you know the, the that whole four months off layoff or whatever screwed over the most. I think Taquan Roberson's in there. There's a couple of guys that we just keep going back to. It says, okay, this guy really, really needed last year's off season, didn't get it. Now all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're sitting there and, and nothing's happening with the, with, with the progress of their career. So, um, you know, spring's going to be big for him. I don't know that that gap is, is something that he can, you know, jump at all at one time. Um, but I hope to see him hope, I hope to see him thrown around this year. We talked about the, the spring football outlook last episode, promising right now i think you would expect the spring practices although not expecting the the blue white game festivities but you need those you you badly need those you're not alone with that if you're penn state but looking at this quarterback room in particular looking at bringing in another offensive coordinator you got to get on the field you got to get those reps you've got to get some looks at what you have in that room to determine you know very seriously how you may need to approach the spring and into early summer with the transfer portal. And, and, you know, beyond that, you're looking at a couple of walk-ons. Mason Stahl came to campus last year out of the Pittsburgh area. Uh, Evan Clark is a kid that, you know, considerably intriguing uh, from, from the same program, Mannheim Township, as, as wide receiver Anthony Ivey, a 2022 commit. We talked about him, wrote a story on him a couple weeks ago. It might be a nice find uh, via, you know, the walk-on route and maybe overplay that down the road. But, just not a lot right there, and it, it doesn't vibe with what James Franklin often asserts in creating that most competitive atmosphere in college football. You see some of these positional rooms at Penn State looking at that caliber, but the most important run right right now, quarterback, falls far short of that expectation, and, and so that's the bar that, that they want to raise. Uh, they got a long way to get there. And that's you know, that's where we're at in the calendar right now. To be honest with you, is you know you've gotten past the initial winter break where you're going to bring in guys for the spring semester. Now even guys like Levis, I mean Levis isn't going to practice for his new school in the spring semester. He's going to get his degree. I think there's going to be guys like that that you know enter the the portal periodically, and then we'll probably see a rush after spring ball when guys see the writing on the wall. They see that you know it's not working out for them. Whether that be a coaching change, whether that be just you know you're down on the depth chart, and then we'll probably see a fresh. Uh, uh, you know, a fresh batch of quarterbacks enter after the spring. But I mean, if you're Penn State, can you can you wait that long to try and find a starter? Uh, that's, uh, that's a tough question right there. Well, when you make it more than 20 minutes into a show without addressing the departure of a former five-star linebacker, you know there's a lot going on right now. We're going to get into the exit of Lance Dixon right around the corner, a little bit of recruiting talk, and also our five-star mailbag. Stay with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Well, we covered a ton of ground on Will Levis and the quarterback situation. And, and believe me, that's a storyline we will be addressing uh, much more often throughout this offseason. But we shift gears, go to the defensive side of the football now, Sean, because um, something that you have been you know, discussing for a few days now um, up on the Lions 24-7 message boards for our VIP subscribers, uh, it, it was inevitable, it, it appeared, and, and on Thursday it became a done deal. Lance Dixon hitting the transfer portal. Um, a five-star evaluation from 24-7 Sports in the 2019 recruiting cycle. 24-7 Sports was considerably higher uh, than the industry average. It had him as the number one outside linebacker, the number 13 overall prospect. Penn State also signed the number one inside linebacker in that evaluation with Brandon Smith, bringing both of them to campus as early enrollees uh, just about two years ago now at this point. Two years later, Lance Dixon, 12 tackles in 12 games. He's going to be a third-year freshman, so someone out there can view him as a four-year investment if they'd like. And if Lance Dixon wants to make that kind of investment, it just didn't work out here. And uh, and we had to put Will Levis front and center, but this is obviously a, a significant roster move. Yeah, and, and linebacker just continues to get thinner, and that's not uh, it's not a good thing. Uh, Dixon, of course, you mentioned the five-star rating by 24-7 Sports, a, a long-term sort of investment ranking from 24-7 Sports based off his up- upside. I mean, he's a high school safety, a guy that eventually would need to grow into a linebacker. He's you know made some strides in his two years on campus, but in terms of a feel for the position. We did not really see that uh, too much from Lance Dixon over the last, uh, I guess, year and a half when he's started to really, I guess, I would say come into his own, but really never did that. So that's that's an interesting thing there is the, the development. Um, you know, he went from playing the Sam, you know, t- tested extremely well when he got here, played the Sam, got moved over because Brandon Smith was more ready to go. They moved Brandon Smith from the will to the Sam. They moved Lance Dixon from the Sam to the will. I mean, to me, just a, as someone casually observing this team and a little bit more than that, I, I question that decision. I, that, that, that's a big um, sort of, uh, I don't know, Lance Dixon always struck me as the guy that you want to play in that star role that you play in that Sam play out in the field because he had been a safety. Brandon Smith seems to me as a, as a box linebacker. I don't think it's all that difficult of a transition or not a transition, not all that difficult of a, of a philosophy to, to take when you look at these guys physically, how they, how they match up with, uh, with different things, how their skill sets fit. I, I'm going to stop short of saying Penn State did them a disservice, but you look at the results a couple of years in and you cer- certainly have to question that. 
He started against Ohio State in 2020. That's because Jesse Lucchetta was out with a targeting penalty for the first half of that game. Otherwise, uh, was relegated to backup roles, some special teams action during his two years on campus. Of course, Brandon Smith, um, as Sean just referenced, emerged as a starter um, last year and, and you know, probably uh, going to play a lot more we'd anticipate in 2021. Um Dixon is one of four five-star linebackers to sign with Penn State since 2018. Micah Parsons, Smith, and then Curtis Jacobs, um, who we will get to in a moment. Again, Dixon is only a freshman, Sean. There's a lot of connections to potentially to be made to Michigan going back home. West Bloomfield head coach or former West Bloomfield head coach Ron Bellamy now on the Wolverine staff. Uh, so, so we'll see what plays out with Lance Dixon, but... You said it's a long-term projection when you when you think about that five-star status. And, and our rankings council will be quick to remind you they just put out a new set of five stars for the 2021 class. They're quick to remind you this is about what's going to happen in the NFL draft, not what's going to happen freshman, sophomore year. Um, do you think Lance Dixon is the kind of player who can still go live up to that five-star situation? Or do you think what we've seen through a couple years at Penn State you know, kind of cools down uh, that outlook? I think he can be very good. I still think that, you know, if you keep him here for a couple more years, uh, develop him into what, you know, where he would be fitting in the best at, at his position, I think he'd be very good. I think he'd be an NFL draft pick. I think he's athletic enough. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, initial ranking was based on his athleticism, his potential testing numbers and things like that. I still think all of that is there. When he came in, he had no idea how to play linebacker. I mean, you had to teach him to play linebacker. You had to teach him, uh, you know, just the, sort of the, the subtle nuances of the position. And that's, that to me is a problem in terms of projecting him to be a five-star guy. He, I mean, we compared him to a guy like Jalen Smith out of, out of uh, you know, uh, coming out Notre of high Dame. school. Yeah, out of Notre Dame. Oh, um, yeah. And, and, I mean, that to me athletically kind of fits, but – there's a different standard when you take the field and you you know how to play the position. Jalen Smith knew how to play the position. Obviously, uh, was very good at, at what he did. So I think you know a couple more years of development for Lance Dixon. I think he can be up there as a, as a draftable guy. Whether he's a five star, Barton freaking love this kid, and I love Barton. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Barton fell in love with this kid based on his long long term projections. I don't. I think he's obviously going to probably uh, fall fall short of those expectations. We already agreed we're blaming Barton Simmons for any recruiting um, inaccuracies it, down it the road at 24 everything right sports. now. Yeah, yeah, so anything, I mean, just uh, down down the wire. I mean, since we started, it was all Barton, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I think he's um, you know going to fall short of those expectations, but he could go somewhere like Michigan, play, what is it, their Viper position, um, and certainly be a productive linebacker, safety, hybrid, whatever you call NFL likes those types of guys. And like I said, he's going to test very well. He's going to, he's, he's never going to, you know, lose that athleticism that, that put him up there. It's just a matter of, can he get the instincts? Can he get all that stuff down? And that's, that's where the serious questions come. Would that, would that have come if he stayed at Penn state? It's, it's possible. I mean, it's uh, but uh, it's, it's really tough to say. I don't know if I just said if he's going to Michigan or not. I expect him to go to Michigan. I mean, Ron Bellamy, the former coach, as you mentioned, at West Bloomfield, I don't think it's much of a coincidence that a couple days after he's named an assistant coach, an official assistant coach, that Lance Dixon goes into the portal. Um, you know, So I think that the odds on favor of the Wolverines, I don't think that one's across the line yet, but still, uh, that's a lot, uh, a lot to happen in a very short period of time, uh, at least on the surface. Maybe you see him back in Beaver Stadium on the opposite sideline. 
Um, doesn't happen often, but this may be a case where it does. Uh, to me, this intensifies the focus on Curtis Jacobs' development, not just for Curtis Jacobs himself, but for Brent Pry, for this defensive staff. Um, another guy who was very heralded, the top-ranked member of that 2020 recruiting class. I think we liked what we saw in a short sample size during his true freshman year. He would have burned a red shirt. wasn't necessary. He's still a freshman because of the NCAA eligibility rule of 2020. Uh, Jacobs is a player I, I still anticipate will push to displace a veteran in the starting lineup. I think he has that capability. Um, I think that he's a guy that Brent Pry wanted to see more of as the season wore on. It was a short season. He didn't have the out-of-conference stuff. Didn't get that bowl practice. Another player who spring practice, all 15 of them, very valuable. But to me, um, this just kind of strikes. There's other guys, and we'll talk about them in a second, who came in with blue chip labels. But Curtis Jacobs, to me, is on that different tier that we thought maybe Lance Dixon could get to. And you got to capitalize on those guys when they're on your roster. I agree with that, and I, I think that uh, you know I think he will compete at that Sam spot. I, I had him slated to to compete with Lance Dixon for that job and potentially win. I, I you know you know as well as I do, uh, Curtis Jacobs is is a talented kid in pretty much any situation you put him into, he should succeed because he's just he's a good football player. That's the thing. I mean, I thought Lance Dixon was a, a good football player in high school and a great athlete. I think Curtis Jacobs, great athlete, great football player. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I think I think we see Brandon Smith move into the box, hopefully, you know, sort of knock on wood uh type situation there. The the issue with with linebacker, as we saw this year, you put Ellis Brooks and Jesse Lucetta beside each other frankly did not work and that's something that i can see them pushing that out and 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 i think you can have one or the other on the on the field next year i don't think you can have them both and i think that that's something that they'll they'll look forward to moving brandon smith to the will opening up that sam spot for curtis jacobs a guy that can play out in space and and hopefully things will come together there for for both of those guys because you can't afford to go through you know an entire 12 game season uh the way that you did the eight game or nine game season this year with the linebacker play that you got so um I'm interested to see if that means you know you you get Jesse Lucetta and Ellis Brooks in the middle uh is is one of those guys out there going to take that next step and and be that guy I don't know based off what we saw this year there's there's certainly doubts there um but uh I think you can maybe have a clearer picture of what you're looking for uh, do you get anything out of Charlie Catcher? I don't know, but I think you move Charlie Catcher out of the middle and back to the wheel spot behind Brandon Smith, get yourself a little bit of depth. Uh, there's uh, there's certainly depth issues there, and I think that we we posted a couple of things this week on Lions 24-7 about some linebackers in the portal that they're you know seemingly showing some interest in. Jamari Budden's going to be in, incoming this summer. Kobe King um, is a guy that, uh, that arrived in January. And then you've got a guy like Tyler Elston who – yeah, you know, it, we project it as a mic, but could be a will, could be a, a guy that plays in there. So you've got okay numbers, but y- your depth isn't what you hoped it would be um, from from that standpoint. And the guy that you've mentioned before, because of the way the roster needs might dictate it, because of the way he's physically composed, Zariah Fisher ending up at defensive end, still had the need at defensive end, but maybe the need at linebacker has become a bit greater than you anticipated. We'll see what they do with the transfer portal, but Fisher and Elsden, both considered four-star prospects coming in with the 2020 class. Uh, Kobe King, a three-star, but he's on he's on campus early. Uh, a guy that they seem to be really high on as a potential leader, captain material player at linebacker. And then Jamari Budden, who finished inside the top 247 uh, just a few days ago. That, that, that list we talked about coming in as more of an outside presence, but uh, someone that, that I think has bulked up quite a bit, but you know, a, a, maybe a bit of a tweener uh, at the high school level. 
see where he is physically when he gets to campus. I don't know if that's something you can count on. So you continue to look toward the top of this depth chart. This is one spot, Sean, that Lance Dixon, uh, until this move, had not lost anybody scholarship-wise from that 2020 roster. It's it's an area of emphasis emphasis that we talked about, much like quarterback, where if you want to elevate your program, that play needs to be better in 2021 at this particular level of the field and linebackers there and um, you know, I, I don't know that we were counting on Lance Dixon to to elevate it on his own, or, or but to lose a guy and, and not to not bringing in someone who's an obvious in, instant impact player puts more pressure on the guys we've already seen to take the next step forward. And we we've seen them play a lot of linebackers, so I mean, it's it, you want six of those ideally. You know, you want six guys ready to go. You don't always get that. You maybe get four or five, but uh, that's going to be an interesting way to fill that out. And, and as we mentioned before, the question to me, not so much with with Jacobs or or Brandon Smith, but what what happens in the middle and how's that going to play out? Because that's. Uh, like I said, those guys on the field at the same time just did not get it done this year, and I don't think you can afford to repeat that. Could be some difficult discussions for, for Brent Pry with a couple of uh, program veterans there as they decide what to do there, and uh, I think very much understanding that the competition is, is already underway at this stage of the year. Um, we do have the National Signing Day around the corner, and again, it keeps getting buried in these discussions because of the transfer portal and, and what continues to happen there. I think we're up to 22 or 23 moves since the season ended on December 19th that are either relating to players leaving from the portal, uh, coming in from the portal, going into the draft, or using an extra year of eligibility. We're up to like 23 to 25 different moves. That's without getting to the recruiting cycle. We'll get to that right now because there's not a ton of intrigue involving Penn State as next Wednesday approaches. But maybe, just maybe, Jordan Mosley, a wide receiver out of Alabama, supplies some. Well, you've got many questions at this point in time. And, you know, you've got the 25 hard cap and Penn State's obviously got some room to play with, but you still want to save some of those, you know, as we mentioned after the spring for portal work there and what's what can happen. So, I mean, you look at Jordan Mosley, who's a four-star guy by 24-7 sports, a four-star guy by the 24-7 sports composite. Fast guy, no no questioning his speed or anything like that. Um, but do, do you need another receiver in this class? Do you need to, um, you know, take a spot? I mean, you've still got guys like Davon Townley on the board um, at the high school level. Do you need to take one of those spots and, and sort of potentially take away transfer. So there's plenty of questions here. And I don't think it's as cut and dry as, oh, there's a four-star guy out there. You got to take him. Um, that's uh, that's something that's going to be up for debate over the next couple of uh, the next couple of days leading up to signing day. And then you throw into uh, the fold Lonnie White, who obviously has a decision to make next year with the Major League Baseball draft as he continues to move up those mock drafts and things like that. Uh, do do not envy having to make this situation or to make this decision because it used to be this would not be an issue. This would not be. I mean, you could bring in a guy as long as you were under the eighty five. You could bring in a guy, and if it didn't really work, it didn't didn't work, and you could move on. Now you're losing spots. You're losing the hard cap spots. You're losing the initial counter spots, and and that's something you have to account for, which is why you don't see a lot of teams that take you know academic as many academic risks as they used to. Um, it's not that Mosley's an academic. Don't get me wrong on that one, but it's it, it's really a, an intriguing situation with a lot of moving parts and and probably not the last we've heard of Mosley before National Signing Day, but it, I think it's a little bit early to forecast whether or not he's in this class. You referenced Devon Townley. As we're recording, I see Steve Wolfong 
uh, our expert guru extraordinaire at 24-7 Sports when it comes to recruiting, uh, has a story up on, on what he's hearing, the latest regarding four-star defensive end Davon Townley. I'd encourage our VIP subscribers to go check that out. i got to give it a read once we're done here because he has been in that spotlight as a priority for Penn State, one of the few that we have talked about uh, really since December and out of Minneapolis at a position of need, someone to keep your eye on along with Jordan Mosley, uh, maybe a few others when others name other names pop up, you can be sure we'll be addressing them up on Lions 24-7. Um, Sean, you, you, a wide receiver, you know, the, the Lonnie White baseball thing is looming large. There's no doubt about it. You continue to see him on these impressive prospect lists that involve MLB draft players. Um, it's it's going to be a temptation at, at the end of the day, really regardless of where he gets picked, and he's going to have to make a decision on where he wants to take his athletic career and when he wants to make money doing it. Uh, but eight receivers, if Lonnie White's involved with freshman status on the 2021 roster, if you were to bring in Mosley, that's four freshmen from this cycle. That's the four freshmen from last cycle. And you've got Norval Black, junior status from Lackawanna College. We'll put him to the side. You got nothing left from your 2019 recruiting class. TJ Jones, John Dunmore, short-lived Penn State careers out of the state of Florida. That's a huge number of, of players to work with. Do you, do you think it makes sense considering the circumstances? There's a couple stragglers from, from classes gone by with Daniel George and Cam Sullivan Brown, and you'd ex- expect this would be the last year, the big grand finale for, for Jahan Dotson. Does it make sense to you to, to get eight freshman status guys on this roster in 2021, let them hit the practice field? Maybe there's some more transfers in the future, but does that make sense from a foundational standpoint as Taylor Stubblefield is really going to have to hit the reset button, already starting a couple freshmen in 2020. From a number standpoint, I think it's okay. Um, you've got nothing much in the upper reaches of that scholarship chart. Um, now, you you do look to 2022, and they've already got a couple of receivers committed. Um, you can maybe add Makai Flowers in that if they decide to go on the offensive side of the ball with him, but they're still you know looking to, to build in the 2022 uh, cycle. Um, the, the thing that gets me here is Mosley's speed is not something that's, you you're not flush with speed on the roster at, at receiver. You got some guys that can move, but I think Mosley's might be the fastest out of all of them, which, you know, I, I and that's a, that's another conversation where we don't know exactly how fast he is because he hasn't had track season. He hasn't had camp season, but he, he ran pretty well back before this whole shutdown thing. Um, so that's an intriguing part to me. Um, you're, you're almost okay with John Dunmore and TJ Jones moving on from an eligibility standpoint because they would have been third year freshmen. And if they're not going to play and they're not going to be there, that's okay. Um, so you've got questions across the rod. It's just a very interesting dynamic because you've got three starters coming back, three fairly um, adjusted experienced guys there. Um, Cam Sullivan, Brown, Daniel George, not sure what you're going to get out of them, but they seem to be uh, coming back. Um, and then you've got guys that just haven't played at all. And that's that's the interesting part to me is how quickly you find out what, what you've got with these guys. And I think they like what they've seen from Mega. I don't know that they've seen enough from Norval Black, from Jaden Dotton, from um, the, the other guys that, that have come through or that, that will come through. So, I mean, it's a very interesting uh, position from a dynamic standpoint or from a, st- a standpoint of the dynamics of who's experienced. Who's, who can you rely on versus okay? Who, who's who are we going to put in the the incubator for for a couple of uh, a couple of seasons and hope that they be, they can become something? This leads us right into our five star mailbag because uh, all three of those 
wide receiver signees, and if they were to add a fourth, and, and it was Jordan Mosley, him included, none of them will be on campus for this spring semester. You saw the seven freshmen show up uh, a couple weekends ago, none of the receivers in that group. Um, so the question that we've got here, Sean, is regarding those non-early enrollees, and it goes, among the freshmen who did not enroll early, do any have a realistic chance to make an impact next season? And to me, that conversation, I think it's going to be difficult for any of these guys coming to campus in June or maybe some in May. Um, we saw Parker Washington do it last year. To his credit, came in ready to work and uh, physically, mentally prepared to do so and started turning heads from, from day one from everything we gathered. We now know why he made a run for Big Ten Freshman of the Year. But when I look at the, the other eight guys who signed in December, small class, um, you know, three of them are wide receiver. I think that's where I kind of keep my focus. Penn State, Taylor Stubblefield, shown they're willing to play those young guys uh, if they earn a spot. And so Lonnie White, Liam Clifford, um, and then Harrison Wallace, who, who uh, admittedly I know far less about as a person and as a player than I do Liam Clifford and Lonnie White at this stage. But when I saw this question, I immediately thought wide receiver and it kind of dovetailed right from where we just were with our discussion. I don't think there's any question about it, to be honest with you. I mean, you look at the rest of the group and, you know, you've got uh, a kicker. Obviously, the, you, your, your kickers seem to be in in. in you hope order. you don't need him. You hope you, you, hope don't. you don't need yeah. him. Exactly. Um, Khalil Dinkins, probably the most ready to go in terms of like a guy that could come in, you know, if you want him to play on special teams or something like that, he could do it. He's just a heck of an athlete, big body, whatever. Um, but, you know, you have questions about. How does he fit into the tight end room? Uh, is he eventually going to be on the defensive side of the ball? You don't know. So I think there's definitely questions there. Harrison Wallace, I think, needs to fill out a little bit. Uh, you, you like his kind of long-term potential more than his immediate impact. Um, Jamari, Jamari Budden's kind of the same way. Um, and then the two safeties, it's been tough to break through for young safeties here at Penn State. Uh, Zaki Wheatley, I, I don't know enough about him because we haven't really seen him, um, you know, play for a long, long time. Has, has he filled out? Has he taken that great ball skills? A, a lot to like there. Checks a bunch of boxes, but you don't know if he's ready to go right away. And Jalen Reed, I think, is going to need some time to learn, you know, kind of the, the position from a pass coverage standpoint. So I don't really see a ton of early impact guys, except, you know, those receivers that you mentioned. I think Lonnie White, a lot's going to be determined by that Major League Baseball draft. Uh, I think Liam Clifford fits the profile of a guy that could play early. He's where I go out of the, I think Lonnie White ceiling stands out the most to me. I think 2021 college ready. Liam Clifford, someone that stands out to me. Yeah. It's kind of like the Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith debate that, that we've been having for the last year is, you know, you, you got a guy that can come in there and be smooth, uh, kind of, I think he's, I think he's got sharper edges to his game than Lonnie White, but Lonnie White's just, I think he's going to be so freaking good if he decides to, to play football in college that, you know, you got to, I think you lean that direction. Uh, at least I lean that direction, but I think Liam Clifford could, I mean, that's a, you saw, you know, he's a root runner and he, he, he kind of, he doesn't remind you of Parker Washington as a prospect, but a lot of the same things that we've said about him throughout, we said about Washington from a, a route running perspective, uh, you know, set him up and, you know, set him up and knock him down type of guy. So I don't see that happening. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of talent there at that receiver spot um, that is, you know, just kind of all over the board. Um, but I think Clifford could be that guy. And by the way, uh, you don't really have to worry about him establishing that chemistry. You're not concerned about him missing time with your starting quarterback in the spring because uh, those two go pretty far back, him and Sean Clifford. Uh, the other thing to watch here, and it ties into our first part of our conversation uh, as we get to our second question in the mailbag, why don't we talk or hear about Taquan Roberson more as a viable quarterback option 
The transfers of Michael Bowens and Michael Johnson Jr. led me to believe that Roberson can be that guy, but I never hear about him. I think the the calendar really hurt him. And it was something we alluded to earlier is you didn't get a spring ball. And then you you sort of rush these guys back onto campus and get them an abbreviated fall camp. And what you're doing in that fall camp is building toward that 2020 season. So you've got to get your top two guys reps. And Roberson, unfortunately, left out and all that. So he didn't get a ton of reps. Then he got injured. So there's a lot of things that are kind of holding him back. I don't know that it's like a physical talent type thing, um, but just uh, the, the, the chips are stacked against him really coming into the season. And I think that that's, you know, uh, legitimate when you look, I mean, it's going to be frustrating looking back onto it, but it's, you know, it's kind of a legitimate excuse that he was in that sort of purgatory between being a scout team guy, being a guy that can push. And then all of a sudden you spend four months or five months off campus, you come back, you get sent back home and he's so many things going against him. Um, and, and he, let's be honest, he's a guy that needed to grow physically. He needed to get a little bit stronger, throws a great ball. I mean, just in terms of spinning the ball, that's the, that's the first thing when you ask people in that, in that building, what Taquan Roberson does he throws a really pretty ball uh there's a lot more to that than 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 as a you know as a developing quarterback um but yeah it's it's really a tough situation for him and and i think i would say through no no fault of his own but he probably could have done more when he got here to establish himself to uh this is the thing that that went back to him and michael johnson as freshmen is you know they kind of prepared as as freshman backups as as guys that were you know just content with being on the scout team now I think Roberson's come a long way in that regard, but that does kind of put you behind. And when you're playing behind a a, a multi-year starter like Sean Clifford, it's it's probably a pretty easy to get complacent. Not saying that's what happened with him, but still, it's it, there's a lot of things that have been stacked against him over the last couple of years, and and I'm not surprised that he has not established himself yet. Like I said, it's not that not playing an extra series against Illinois or somebody else wouldn't you know would have made a difference but um uh, you know I, i'm i'm interested i'm just really interested to see what he can do in the spring cuz i don't know if he's close enough to to close that gap on clifford and again three different offensive coordinators in 3 years on campus that and who are also your quarterback coach that does not help uh we haven't seen Taquan Roberson you know play meaningful football we haven't i mean every every snap should matter those sunday night scrimmages that franklin talked about should feel like a, a big time audition for this kid and and it sounds like he handled himself well in that spot but we haven't seen him really facing the live bullets uh since he was a high school quarterback in new jersey and and that's different than what we saw for the quarterbacks who preceded him in those last couple classes the 2017 class you had sean clifford you know, throwing a touchdown on the road uh, at Pittsburgh, what, game two of his second year on campus, played pretty extensively as a second-year player because Tommy Stevens wasn't available, ended up, you know, for a lot of the time being the number two quarterback as a redshirt freshman. Um, and then Will Levis, same deal, redshirt freshman. He, he's he's Sean Clifford's primary backup. He's getting a lot of mop-up duties, getting some different plays in, uh, different packages involved, starts a game as a redshirt freshman, We've now seen Taquan Roberson as a redshirt freshman, but only pictures on the practice field or stand on the sidelines. He threw one pass uh, over the course of his entire first two years on campus. So I think that's why you're not hearing more about him because at this point, you know, there's just not a lot of tangible evidence of who this kid is. And even James Franklin uh, said it last week. They've got to figure out what they've got in Taquan Roberson. And that's extremely true because over the course of the last two recruiting cycles, uh, you know, not this one in 2021 where we have Christian Bayou involved now, but 2019, 2020, you signed three quarterbacks. He's the last man standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's it's going to be something that's going to take some time. And I think that's something that we lose focus on um, from especially with quarterback development is, you know, you, you want to see a guy that can come in and, and start right away. It doesn't always happen. And now that you've got a guy that's going to start for probably three years like Sean Clifford, and that's that that's going to sort of chip away. It's going to be the sort of like just erosion from the quarterback room perspective of, you know, you're going to have guys go elsewhere and some of it may be injuries like Zembeck. Some of it may just be passing up and, and not being in the right situation like a Michael Johnson. So, I mean, it's uh it's that interesting quarterback dynamic. And that's the reason that, that I think they do continue to look at quarterbacks in the portal, whether that be a veteran that could come and start right away, whether that be a guy that's, you know, maybe played a year or two somewhere and just doesn't fit. So I, I, I don't know which direction it's going to be. It's going to be certainly an intriguing storyline as, as we move on over the next couple of months. Still kind of remarkable to me, Sean, as we finish January, you said it there, we discussed it a little bit. Sure feels like Sean Clifford is your guy now at, at QB one, unless something comes out of left field and they make a, a move or Taquan Roberson has a huge leap. It's got to be a surprise at this point, but 10 weeks ago, just 10 weeks ago, we were wondering if we'd see him take another snap in a Penn State uniform. And now with Will Levis gone, it's becoming very clear that Sean Clifford is the guy for 2021 um, and a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, with uh, with the Levis transfer, I mean, I think that's the biggest that you and I both expected to see maybe him go through spring drills and see if he can capture something and figure something out because we do think that there's potential there um, and he has sort of broken through that plane um, where he started some games. He's at least come in on in, in Sean Clifford's relief at, at times. Roberson's not there. Roberson hasn't been there. And that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing. So we see that gap that we saw maybe the, the gap that was very small between Clifford and Levis, and then a fairly sizable gap between Roberson. Now you take Levis out of the, the conversation, you know, kind of connect the dots for, as you will for, from that aspect. For a long time, James Franklin hitched that wagon to, to Trace McSorley at the quarterback spot. And it's really since then, uh, it's been the, the Sean Clifford story with 20 starts now. And it looks like more ahead of him. We'll continue to monitor the, the transfer portal. What else is going to happen? The development that could take place in the spring. But quarterback, uh, it feels like deja vu all over again. It's going to be the major story of this uh, of this offseason, particularly with the splashy move that James Franklin made bringing in Mike Yursich in an attempt to elevate this offensive attack. That's going to do it for today. Uh, we'll see what the weekend brings us in the next week. We will have some more on signing day upcoming. We hope to bring on maybe a recruiting analyst from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us dive into that a bit more uh, next week. But for now, it's been a lot of transfer portal, full coverage of all that. I'll have a story up on this quarterback room who we expect to be in it for 2021 and, and really where things stand. That story will be up on lines 24-7. Give it a read sometime this weekend. Uh, in the meantime, we thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Leave your five-star rating and review and mailbag question on Apple Podcasts. Check us out everywhere you can find podcasts. For now, on behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue, stepping aside. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 